What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022, and this week's episode, Pereira Repeats History. We'll talk about a loaded UFC 281, new champions were crowned, and arguably the most exciting card in UFC history played out. There are plenty of announcements, as well as some breaking MMA news. Cain Velasquez released on bail after eight months. And we will discuss UFC Vegas 65 this Saturday and the main event between Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. Um, first off, Natalie, how are you? I'm doing great, Double G. Doing great. Um, you know, we're getting some nice crispy weather now. I appreciate that. Nice change of pace. But still thinking about all the events of Saturday and then of course Sunday which we'll get into but but yeah it's uh, it's been a it's been an MMA weekend for sure yeah well i think it um it would only be right and respectful to begin with Sunday and that is the obviously very heartbreaking and shocking news that uh former UFC veteran title challenger Bellator fighter Anthony Rumble Johnson uh passed away at 38 years old uh due to complication essentially due to non-Hodgkin's uh lymphoma yes um yeah just obviously uh fans probably remember he was signed to Bellator set to compete in the Grand Prix things obviously played out differently than expected he won the first round fight then had to withdraw um and we haven't seen him in action for uh, over a year. And I think there was a lot of talk. Um, you know, the internet is just very uh, interesting. Obviously, when you have a guy like Rumble and he had that unbelievable power, uh, rumors just kind of started to swirl. Not all of them were very nice about why he was absent, why he chose now, etc. And it turns out he was dealing with something. And similar to uh, Chadwick Boseman of Black Panther, just... Uh, elected to keep it private and uh, also like our uh, Elias Theodoro recently and just kept it to himself and um very heartbreaking obviously it's a illness that affects uh, many people um all over the world so uh certainly hearts um hearts prayers condolences to his friends his family and everyone um close to him who um obviously misses him greatly right now in this time what about you well it's just plain sad uh, you know i don't have too many words yeah, i saw the news i was stunned <clears throat> trying to put the pieces together after that um you know with the bellator withdrawal from the bellator grand prix and it's like okay so clearly he was maybe diagnosed or the illness was discovered or some kind of test result revealed something right and that 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 led him to find out what was really going on in the body and it's just sad because not only is he really was he really young and really special um but there's something about for his sake he kept it private and that's of course wonderful for him but it's just a much bigger shock for the people who had no idea his fans the mma community who had no idea there was anything at all going on like this so you know I just keep going back to it's sad. And and that's all I have to say, man. It's just straight up sad. Yeah. Um. Obviously, remember that I say he's kind of right there, one and two with Francis Ngannou. Um, 
most uh, iconic knockout artists in UFC history. Uh, full credit to Daniel Cormier. He went through two fights with Rumble and ate the power and never went wow. down. Uh, literally, I, I'm, I struggle to think of opponents who actually, you know, survived it. I believe Josh Koscheck, one of the few, um, it just, uh, unbelievable. There was just that, just like with Nganu, um, just that, let's just say it, fighters knew. You knew going out there, he gets a little too close, he brushes you with it, it's probably gonna put you in trouble, um... I had the pleasure of talking to him in a scrum about it. I asked him, hey, you know, a lot of fans would say it's you and Francis who's the knockout king. He actually told a great story how he gloved up and actually, you know, was working out with the Francis Ngannou and said he felt the power. And, you know, he kind of touched on it. Like, what's it like, you know, on the other side of these things? Right. And, um, you know, he did. Uh, he gave me a great argument. He says, I obviously respect what Francis does but he did point out Francis only knocked out dudes he only knocks out guys with his hands Rumble will get you with some kicks and other stuff <laughs> so he said I just want to point that out when you have that discussion about the knockout king so that's fair I, w I want to leave that with you guys um to talk about the memory of him obviously many people also remember him as just a Look, you know what he could do when he touches you with the hands, but when he's not competing, he's just this nice guy, and it's never good to lose someone like that in our community or on Earth, and, you know, we want to acknowledge him now. But yeah, so uh, just condolences once again. Um, thank you for everything, Rumble, and, um, you know, what more can we say? Thank you. Yeah. Um, we did have a quite the event on Saturday and uh, obviously be remiss not to acknowledge everything that happened. So going to continue on to talk about it. Let's get right into this main event. Obviously, Israel Adesanya trying to exact revenge against Alex Pereira from their two from his two losses to him in kickboxing. Um, first round, slow, competitive. Looks like Alex might be doing work. Adesanya starts rallying back, shocks him, you know, with a, uh, that was not a three-piece in the soda, it was the <laughs> legendary two-piece in a biscuit. Oh. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, look, it looked like he had him in trouble, and then just working the legs, and slowly was just, uh, it, it was just a, exactly like I think a lot of the pundits really described. They thought that Pereira was going to be more, um, just quite bluntly less active because a lot of his offense is about setting up that power. He's not trying to bulldoze you with a million shots. He knows what he's got. He's really about conserving that energy, being efficient and find, you know, creating openings where he could actually really sit down and really hurt you with that power that he has. Adesanya is a brilliant striker, but unless you leave in that, you know, the temple and the chin wide open, he's not really about trying to crack you with a home run shot. Um, it's more about his speed and his accuracy, his ability yeah. to hit that target on the nose multiple times. Um, and really, I think Adesanya, even though he was not doing devastating damage, it was just all starting to add up. Then you have the takedowns and the grappling, and obviously it looks like Pereira, you know, a lot of that steam is getting taken out of the engine. 
the wind out of the sails, etc., etc. And then come fifth round, Glover and the team give him the, you know, the Friday Night Lights speech, and Pereira pushes forward, and quite bluntly, he, he just finds the mark again, Natalie. He gets him, he starts landing some shots. Adesanya not out, but clearly in trouble, just... He was blocking left. The punch was coming right. It did not look good. I feel like we discussed it um, with Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos last week. Just not out, but certainly no longer still in it. Um, I do acknowledge Adesanya said, you know, give me Steve Mazzagatti. I would have been fine, but <laughs> ref has to do what the ref has to do. It did not look good for Adesanya. Uh, Pereira adds, you know, another dominant champion getting taken out in the fifth round. Hang, gets to hang out up there with Leon Edwards, new UFC middleweight champion. I want to say he's only had about seven or eight professional fights. This is only his fourth fight in the UFC, and he dethrones um, arguably the best, best middleweight we've ever seen in Israel Adesanya. Reaction, thoughts, everything you want to say. Everything, yeah. It was shocking, surprising, stunning, exciting. You know, you, you, you break down the fight exactly right. They start out with leg kicks, and then that those last two blows at the end of round one really sets up the rest of the fight with a promise of, you know, lots of action. To me, after round one, Pereira seemed a little bit stiff. Now, I know he's a little more upright in general. He's just, you know, a, true, a kickboxer through and through, but seemed a little bit stiff, and I don't know if that was from the shots at the end of round one or it was just part of a strategy to sort of stay close uh, you know to just attack um whenever there was an opening in any case the fight's going along it wasn't quite as clear-cut as well maybe actually it was you know when i think about glover Teixeira and yuri prohaska to me that was like that fight was basically over i don't remember how much time was even left and so it was still dangerous for adesanya and round five you know i was still concerned but I didn't see it going down the way it did. And just just the kind of stuff you love MMA for, the reason you watch. I have no issue with the, with the stoppage. You know, when your eyes are facing the canvas and your head's bobbing around, like, there's a difference between bobbing and weaving um, with your head at a downward angle and just being, you know, your hands kind of flopping out and your head flopping around too. So that's what I saw. I, I, I don't think any other ref would have waited longer. But I understand why you would feel that way. But what heck of a come-from-behind victory for Pereira. And as excited as I, as I was for Pereira, I just kept thinking about it is Adesanya and how it must feel just gut-wrenching to lose once again to this man. It made me think of Janjacek and Shevchenko, right? They'd already fought three times, I think, before they met up in the UFC. Shevchenko victorious in all those encounters and then completely, you know, neutralizes Jan Jacek again in the octagon. So it's like, you couldn't beat me in, in Muay Thai and you couldn't beat me in MMA. And the same for Adesanya. You know, he couldn't beat Pereira in kickboxing and he couldn't beat him in MMA. And that's got to do something to your psyche, right? You know, Ades uh, Pereira was talking in the in the lead up. You know, he was pretty pretty adamant about the fact that a man doesn't shake off being knocked out by another man that you can't just face him again and be okay, that it stays with you always. Adesanya would probably beg to differ, but the results back up 
Pereira's theory. And so I keep thinking about Adesanya's mindset now. He was humble in defeat at the press conference and posting on Instagram, you know, similar um, energy. But, you know, it's got to sting, man. I mean, it's got to sting bad. What do you think? Oh, uh, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, uh, what can you say? I think perhaps most frustratingly is that he's three minutes away from bringing it home again. He was winning the, uh, the rematch where he got knocked out the last time in kickboxing. The first fight was a very competitive one. Um, I feel like there was less controversy, competitive, but more Pereira. Other people thought Adesanya was on his way to probably win in their rematch um, before he zigged instead of zagged. And now you have this result on Saturday when you've become a bigger star than ever before. You have to imagine that. Um, I think that this fight was actually... uh, uh, It comes at such an odd time. Uh, Let's be honest. 280 was just a smorgasbord with... Charles, Islam, Peter, O'Malley, and uh, Aljo, TJ. You know, it was just such a big one. And we've had such a busy, honestly, fall in MMA. I mean, going back to September with Canelo and, I mean, Mayweather and the KSI's brother Deji and all this. There's uh, Jake Paul Anderson. There's just been so much fight content that, uh, once again, it's hard to always stay hot. I thought Saturday was promoted beautifully and just you talk talk about the little stuff, the whole frozen like Elsa. And of course, Alex Pereira would find the one Elsa in Times Square to take a picture with. <laughs> I thought he had a really epic weigh in outfit with the obviously the tribal paint and, you know, just re- looked he looked really cool. Just yeah. very bluntly. He looked cool. Cool. And badass, then, you know, yeah. Adesanya's Adesanya and I thought he sold his side perfectly. Pereira just kind of stuck to his script, silent killer. He knew what he had to do, and he did it. Um, so, yeah, like you said, you you got to imagine the frustration for Adesanya. you got to imagine the confidence of Pereira. He must feel like no matter what happens, I will always beat Adesanya. I mean, that's yeah. how low-key I might start to feel that way. Maybe that could be dangerous, which is my segue to the next step. What do we do now? Because, uh, and I'll be honest, Natalie, um, not personal to any fighter ever at all when they get a win like this. Victory from the jaws of defeat, but in particular when you have such a interesting case, because Pereira essentially, his only top-ranked opponent he beat was Sean Strickland. He has not fought the Whitakers, Cannoneers, Marvin Vittoris, all of these long-established UFC middleweights yeah. who've been putting in work, but yet now he's champion. Mm-hmm. Arasanya has actually beaten all of those guys multiple times, um, me- several of them very convincingly, and yet now we have this, you know, scenario. I think obviously you have to acknowledge the door does open up a bit more for a Whitaker or Vittori, particularly Whitaker, since he does have a big fight booked with Polo Costa in February. But then, how do you sell number four with Pereira? In UFC's mind, they only see it as number two, but now you have a guy who is three and zero on the current champion. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting. This is where you get to do your MMA math, right? And when you look at his fighting style, okay, 
Adesanya was just, I mean, he's the style bender, right? Was able to fell all of these high level, high ranked opponents. And then you have Pereira who comes in and stands, you know, it's like the opposite of style bender, the way he stands, right? His posture, his movement, it's just the opposite. And he's able to beat him three times in two different, you know, uh, styles of combat sports. So that's one of those things where I feel like you just have to extract that data from the MMA math and then and then insert Port Rayra, the new champion, back in and trying to forget what happened between him and Adesanya because when I think about Whitaker especially, I think Whitaker has a better chance just the way he fights. He's uh, more aggressive, less cautious. Uh, you know, he's got the grappling advantage. And so... It, it could just kind of be like one of these perfect matchups that no matter what dimension, what universe, what time period you put these two guys together, the results are going to be almost always similar. But if they face anybody else, Adesanya is the king. And we don't know what Pereira is going to be, but just looking at his fight style, I'm not so sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see when he... Look, they're probably going to do an immediate rematch. So we may or may not get to see him face these other guys as champion but he'll face them regardless whether he has the belt or not and i am very curious to see how he holds up especially against whitaker i mean that's the main one yeah i'd agree with that one for sure i think that um the star power of adesanya is just it kind of makes sense that the rematch is going to happen remember ufc signed adesanya to that mega contract him and masvidal by the way, not for nothing, Pereira takes the UFC 5 cover away now from Adesanya. Remember yeah, that? It's crazy, though, because... That's just a if, little cruel. <laughs> well, it's cruel. It's cruel, right? Take my belt and my cover. But also, like, no offense to Pereira, who just beat Adesanya, but, like, nobody's going to know who's on the cover. You now, just got here. <laughs> you just got here. However, does the man look like a serious MMA fighter that'll kick your butt? Yeah, he's got the look of a fighter for sure. And so it's almost like it doesn't matter who he is. He's 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 gonna tell you, like one look at the man and you know he means business. So so there's that going for the cover anyway. Not for nothing. A lot of people saw Saturday's fight. It's yeah, Adesanya. You know too. he's one of, you know there's only about a handful of guys who are you know they are the top attraction in sports when they compete most mm-hmm. of the time. Adesanya is one of them. You know. I don't know if the World Series was on that night, but people saw Adesanya. People who yeah. don't watch MMA, a lot of them saw Adesanya on Saturday, and they obviously now saw Pereira too. Um, yeah, uh, like uh, going back to it once again, um, like I said, Adesanya's star power, you got to think they make it. Obviously, you can make the argument for Whitaker if he wins. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, look, uh, let's see about timing. Let's see what everyone wants that one is right there i think you could sell it anytime you want because of the way that fight went now right adesanya was winning till he wasn't um hamza chemaev the way adesanya was taken down and holding Pereira, and then uh, i i mean the wolf was licking his chops and he said so on twitter i i definitely acknowledge that um i acknowledge he probably felt the same way watching kamaru usman with leon edwards but i digress um you know, we could go in circles there. Uh, could Adesanya want to finally take Darren Till if he beats uh, Dracus Duplessis? Obviously, you have other fights out there. Middleweight, Jack Hermanson. But 
you have to think that Adesanya Pereira is the priority, and that's just the end of that. If they go another direction, there's options, but that's the most lucrative one. And obviously, if Pereira is holding the cards, let's see how it happens how it plays out yeah i've also heard if jiri beats glover again Pereira moving up because he's such a big middleweight hmm. and it's like oh my gosh no too complicated if i'm Pereira, i tell ufc i'll do what you want but i already beat this man three times i don't Maybe know somebody else i don't know natalie did uh, i'll be honest he looks so much bigger than adesanya he i did. actually wondered if there was an issue with adesanya's health like did he rehydrate? He he just looked smaller than he did against Whitaker and Cannoneer. I don't he know really another did. way to say it. He And maybe Adesanya almost implied he might have had some stuff going on in the post-fight press conference. Part of me wanted to ask, is it because Pereira is just so friggin' huge? But he, I don't know. That's a big middleweight. And he obviously had to go to the last minute at the weigh-ins. But, right, he did. Uh, yeah. But but you're right, just just in spite of how big Pereira looked in there, Adesanya looked undersized for his previous appearances against his previous appearances. And like his waist, I mean, it just looked so narrow. He looked just, there was no musculature almost. So, you know, there's something going on, but I mean, it is what it is, right? Yeah, he was winning. You can't make excuses, exactly. right? You go out there and you're winning the fight. It's hard to say, well, this was a factor, right? But. Yep. Once again, only he knows. Obviously, we just talked about Rumble Johnson. If he's got something going on, he's keeping close to the chest. Mm -hmm. That's his prerogative. But, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't say it just seemed like something might have been a little off. Yep. Um, Physically. Physically looking. Like, he didn't perform like he was off. He just looked off. Yeah. Also, he hurt his shin on one of those calf kicks. Okay. It looked... You, you'll, you remember that one. It was like in the fourth round. He threw one and it got checked. And Yes, yes, yes. That's for right, a second, right. it felt like Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman. That's right. That's right. I, I, I almost thought for a second, oh, no. He Me obviously too. went back to work. But, you know, you got to ask, you know, more questions, right? Yep. There we are. Uh, co-main event, uh, Zhang Wei Li regains the strawweight title. Really just throttles uh, Carla Esparza. Um, stylistically, I think that that just that fight just favored Wei Li. But it, it, I think what I was most impressed with how she powered through some great transitions on the ground. Obviously, you know, was getting the better of the striking. But when they go to the mat and Carla Esparza reverses position, Zhang Wei Li getting back to the feet. Zhang Wei Li just responding in kind and improving her position when Carla Esparza was starting to go to work. I think that that was the most telling part of that entire fight. Yes, I saw her take down Francis Ngannou at the PI. Yes, I saw this <laughs> and that. But, you know, you kind of respect Carla Esparza's six-fight win streak to get there, right? She didn't return for no reason. But really, Zhang Wei Li kind of showed why she's so dangerous, why she's you know, why she went five rounds with Rose, how she beat Joanna twice, etc. Knocked out Jessica Andrade. Very tough, very just strong performance. Um, what are your thoughts on just how she fought? Okay, her thoughts on how she fought, uh, Whaley, how Whaley fought. I mean, yeah, just it was almost like um, it was easy work. You know, no offense to Carla Sparza. It's just that Whaley is just so much stronger it's all her synapses are firing together. <laughs> Everything in her body is working at its 
prime peak best condition right now. You can just tell. And Esparza knew that. Esparza knew she was going into a, going up against a faster, stronger opponent. I love Carla Esparza, man. She's so tough. She has so much dignity, so much grace, so much composure. She wasn't going to back down. She took the fight. But she knew she was in up against it. I mean, I don't know if it was embedded or something where she, her and her coach talk about her almost exclusively sparring men because she had to prepare herself for fighting a, an opponent that was that much stronger um, than usual opponents in that weight class. So I'm bummed for her because no one wants to, you know, you always want to be able to defend your belt. But let's not pretend Carla Sparza's story isn't amazing. You know, inaugural champ, inaugural champ has to rebuild herself because the competition gets pretty, pretty stiff immediately. You know, Joanna Janjacek looking at you and, and everybody else has to rebuild herself, earn that shot, painstakingly, patiently earn her title shot again against the same opponent. You know, it's this, this dud of a fight. I, I would say it's not really her fault that it came out that way. Gets the belt. And the first person they put her up against is the former champ, who's a killer, who's super strong and super fast. So, again, it is what it is, but all respect for Carla Sparza. And now you look at Wei Lee, and it's like, okay, I'm doing my MMA math again, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sparza beats Nama Yunus twice. Nama Yunus beats Wei Lee twice. Um, okay, so who's going to be the next opponent for Wei Lee? And if it is Nama Yunus... You know, are we looking at a, a, a story similar to what we just talked about, Adesanya Pereira, uh, Shevchenko, Janjacek? Or does Whaley just look that much bigger, faster, stronger than the whole weight class right now? Is she just like Amanda Nunez in this weight class? You know, is she Shevchenko in the weight class? Is she just too far above everybody now? I don't know. So... Uh, look, the Rose Namajunas fight is obviously there. Rose beat her twice, right? I will say it is hard to sell that fight straight up. They literally fought back to back twice last year. Yeah. I. It, but it, once again, I acknowledge. I, I get exactly what you mean. Rose beat her twice. Rose front kick knocked out first round KO twice. Yep. Um. I, I'll be honest. There is no easy solution. There are fun options. You can do the Rose fight, for sure. And let's just call it macaroni, as you like to say. <laughs> uh, Amanda Lemos, just beat Marina yeah. Rodriguez. Just beat her. Beat Michelle Watterson. Um, that looks good. Jan Shannon, the way she handled Mackenzie Dern. You got China versus China. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like I said, it's a weird thing. Whaley, uh, let's. I've heard Whaley say she's not really into it. Yan Shonan doesn't mind because obviously Whaley's ahead of her. She wants to move up and get the title. So I get business side from her end wanting to fight Shonan. You could do that. Jessica Andrade fights Lauren Murphy. Jessica Andrade choked out Amanda Lemos earlier this year in the main event. Mm -hmm. uh, Jessica is fighting Lauren at flyweight, but should she not technically be the top strawweight now? for Wei Lee and they do a rematch, it's really complicated. Like I said, there are fun fights. Um, for my money, what are we going to see next? I actually think that if Jessica beats Murphy, they'll make the rematch because she has the tiebreaker against Lemos. If Andrade loses, um, they'll just do Amanda Lemos and do 
Jan or Marina versus uh, Rose Namajunas for the next one. But I don't want to see Rose Wei Lee 3 next. I, I just, I need some more variety. And I think the UFC trying to sell it probably feels the same. Yeah, I I do agree with you. I need some more variety too. You know Namajunas probably wants variety. I mean, it was hard for her to have to fight Jan Jacek back to back almost. I think it was actually back to back. Same with, you know, Zhang Weili. We we know her mindset. We we sort of have a sense of how she processes these things, processes these things. And so uh, I'd make a strong bet that she wouldn't want to face her again. Um, however, if she's doing her MMA math, she's like, wait a minute, I am gonna I am gonna get want this fight back because I already beat her twice. And, you know, uh, she, you know, uh, Carla beat me twice, but if I beat her again, I get the belt back. So I don't know. In any case, I don't want to see it yet either. I like Yan Shonan. That's the fight I would love to see. All right, you're going Yan Shonan. All right, yes, I, I think... <sighs> Are they going back to China? If they're going China, they <laughs> got to do Shonan. If they don't, I feel like one of the Brazilians will get it. Okay. I think it should be Andrade. I... I want to give Lauren Murphy credit. She's a tough girl. I don't know. Let's see what... We'll have this conversation in January. Okay. But... I don't know. Lemotion and Andrade are just ahead. Okay. Um, if they go to China, they'll go... Um, they'll go Shonan. With heartbeat. There we go. Um, and once again, Rose Namajunas, fight whoever doesn't... Fight Marina, fight Shonan, fight somebody... Um, and we'll go from there. Anyway, um, oh my gosh. There's three guarantees in life, Natalie. <laughs> Death, taxes, and Michael Chandler getting into a banger at the garden. That was... They told Glover and Jiri, hold my beer. Hold, <laughs> no, hold my hot sauce. Hold my hot sauce, baby. It yeah. was... That was just freaking awesome. Chandler... I, I, I Poirier was just struggling to deal with that uh that aggressiveness and, and we touched on that is that that's a it, it's not as clean it, he doesn't flow like an Adesanya or when you see Tony and he's in the middle of he's doing his thing um but Chandler is so dangerous and that's a real weapon you got to deal with when you're out there it's not always about being good it's just about getting fist to face and he's got weapons that when he's getting you it's tough for even a technically proficient guy like Poirier to deal with. He was giving him the problems. And then Poirier responds, starts cracking him. Looks like he might be getting him out of there. And then we go to the ground. And then Poirier is opening him up from the bottom with elbows. Mm -hmm. And Chandler starts doing the thing. And yes, there's the whole thing about the fish hooking with the fingers in the mouth. Yeah. And then the nose thing was a little, literally dirty. Um, <laughs> and then Poirier just, uh, let's be honest, he just kind of kicked it into the next level. He powered up like it was an anime, gets Chandler down, finally secures the arms under the chin, and he gets the finish. Just, um, I mean, I think I've hyped it up enough. What would you like to say about it? Yeah, I mean, look, the the the, the most exciting fights we've seen in the last how long has Chandler been in the UFC? <laughs> year, a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, haven't hasn't he been a part of almost all of them? Have there been others? Yes, of course. The man comes in to put on a show, but there's a price to pay for that, and and we're seeing it. And so he delivers these exciting moments. 
he hurts his opponent. He gets close to finishing somehow with his fists, with his, you know, with a submission. He gets close, but no cigar. And, and so how much more of that can he take? I know he's there for a good time, not a long time, right? And he's definitely having, living up to the good time part of it. I just get concerned for, um, like, the game Longevity? Plan. Well, yeah, I'm not really, not no offense to him. I'm not really thinking and worried so much about his longevity. It's just that, like, at a certain point, everyone's going to figure out what the Michael Chandler game plan is. I think maybe they kind of already do. And so then it's going to, he's going to have to uh, go back to the, go back to the drawing board. Right. And, and think about Gaethje and how he fought when he first started, he would stand there, hands cover his face and just take five shots to throw back to Chandler's not necessarily doing that, but there's similar, you know, um, um, feeling behind it. And so I, what I want for him is to, 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 try and edit his striking style a little bit so that he can be more competitive because he has the tools, he has the power and the speed, you know, genetic or yeah, genetically, you know, anatomically a little short on the limbs. Right. So he has to do that reaching overhand stuff. And that's, that is what it is. But I love watching him fight in the UFC and I want to see him be able to keep delivering exciting fights. So, you know, you can't go to um, Trevor Whitman, but he needs some kind of new injection, a uh, striking, um, you know, tutorial is the wrong word, but I think he's got to try something just a little bit new. I think edit is the word I'm going to stick with. Cause I like that. As for Poirier, man, he's just too slick. And he said it coming in. If Chandler tries to get in my face and bang, like I'm going to win this fight. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, the Chandler was trying to, <laughs> You know, with a he carried him a couple times, right? He body slammed him. The last one was just the one that he didn't have the best angle on it. He landed funny, and and Poirier was able to to um capitalize. The fingers and the mouth thing. I mean, when I was watching it live, my my reaction was, oh yeah yeah, <laughs> because it looked like it hurt to me. It was obvious there was like a bunch of fingers trying to lift up Poirier's mouth. Did Chandler do it on accident? Like, was he not necessarily reaching for inside the mouth, but just grasping at whatever he could? Probably. Um, but whatever, it is what it is. As for the rubbing or blowing his nose on Poirier, um, you know, Chandler says it was just uh, the blood was leaking. He couldn't do anything about it. Gravity Jimmy, was the yeah, word he gravity, used. Yeah, gravity, gravity, exactly. Which is a very powerful force, you know. <laughs> um, it made me think a little bit of Rockhold and uh, Paulo Costa in that instance, it was hilarious because Rockhold was losing, he was bloodied, and it was just like a middle finger to, to Costa and to everything. In this instance, it was coming from a place of desperation. Um, and so, you know, I, I can see why Poirier was a little bit, he wasn't raw about it, but he's the kind of man that's not going to let you get away with it. So he's going to call you out for it, and then he'll say, but it doesn't matter. And so, you know, Poirier felt compelled to call him out, which I can respect. Um but at the end of the day, I'm still left looking at these two amazing fighters who went to war with each other and have gone to war with every other top contender in the 155 division. And I'm just like still asking myself what's next for them because, you know, Poirier's already gone for the belt twice. He's already fought Gaethje. Chandler's fought Gaethje. Uh, there's um, Benil Dariush, I guess, is, is the, new, the new entity there that could help 
um, thin out the the murky waters. But but what do you think? Uh, what do you think happens next for these two guys? I mean, so I'll be honest. Uh, part of me wants to discuss this sentimentally because you look at a guy like Leon Edwards, Arnold Allen. Uh, guys like Jacare, you know, sometimes you get on a win streak, you get that title shot. Sometimes you put it together and yeah. just because of the circumstances of the division, you get you get caught before you actually get to fight for the belt. I almost don't want Benil to have to fight somebody else. I feel like he, the man, how much more work do you want the man to yeah, put in, yeah, right? You're right, you're right. And, and so as much as I stylistically think that would be a great fight, and I don't think either man is intimidated to fight the other, part of me doesn't want that for Benil. Let's talk about reality. Islam and Volk are scheduled four months from now. We'll talk about that in a sec. Um, uh, what is Benil supposed to do? This is now going to be, you know, four, think at least another three or four. Mind you, that's a quick turnaround by most champion standards. Yeah. For another title fight, talking about eight months, does he maybe want to get on, let's say, March and try to fight Poirier or April, something like that? I don't know. I mean, what about uh, Poirier and um, Benil in April undercard to like a Usman Edwards three kind of deal? I don't I'm not I wouldn't hate it. I'll, I'll put that out there into the universe. That being said, um. I have a hard time unless Benil sits out, which I don't want for him after everything he's gone through. It's hard for me to see Benil being able to wait for a title shot because they already got the next one scheduled already. It's just going to be a tough one. What helps in his favor is that the division feels in this weird limbo. It's in transition, right? Now you have Benil at the top. You have Volk coming up to 55. Gaethje hasn't been back. Um, Poirier is kind of in that weird spot now. He kind of needs that right path to the title if he's yeah. going to get another shot. It, it helps both of them. Poirier looks great after this one. I think it's just going to be, does Benil decide to wait or not? And if that happens, then obviously he fights Poirier. If he doesn't, then Poirier might have to wait for somebody. I don't know who, I don't know where, but I think it's just going to have to wait a bit. Yeah. But um, I, yeah, I don't think we have an answer to what will be next for Poirier right this minute. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, look, let's get into some highlights. This was a banger of a card. I want to say seven first round finishes. Not for nothing, all three of those fights ended by finish also. Uh, the ones I really want to highlight, uh, Chris Gutierrez, the knee on Frankie Edgar. You know what? I know we're going to talk about Frankie. Don't worry. I want to give Chris his due. That was just cold mm -hmm. and nasty. Part of it is just, I think, the damage that Frankie has taken. But full credit to him. He looked prepared. He looked strong. Frankie, he almost got Ben Askren, right? He was going for the takedown and just right between the guard with the knee. Yeah. And that's all she wrote. Just beautiful finish. What about you? Yes, it was. It was exactly that. It was almost the, uh, you know, Masvidal, Askren type scenario. Um, he just dropped right into it. And, um, you know, Chris Gutierrez looked amazing. And, you know, I'd like to see him. I don't know. I don't know who said it. Rogan or Cormier. You know, for wherever he's ranked, he fights like he's already a higher ranked opponent. He just hasn't, you know, earned his spot up there yet. But 
I was disappointed though with the matchmaking because it wasn't a secret that Frankie Edgar was going to retire, and so I'm not saying give him the man a softball, but you have to give him a killer on the way up who's already fighting in a way and a style and a manner that's competitive with the top guys in the division. You know, think about um, Cerrone and um, oh. Miller. Yeah, Miller, and there was another one they were trying to. Do I can't remember. Anyway, there's this like generous matchmaking you can do with another legend versus legend. Even if one isn't retiring, if, even if it's just one of two retiring, there's more generous matchmaking you can do. Now, maybe Frankie Edgar was adamant that he wanted a killer. He wanted someone on the up and up. I don't know. Um, but it was just not the way you want to finish your career. It is what it is, right? You got to just suck it up and move on. Give the man a chance, though, to fight a little bit longer in the cage. Um, but Gutierrez was out for was out for blood. He said, "I'm going to treat him like any other opponent," and he did. He found his opening. He took advantage, and boom. Um, but I don't think anybody, you know, I, I'm not alone in saying it was disappointing to see Frankie Edgar finish that way. But at least he got to do it in front of a crowd with his family there. Um, but Gutierrez, man, that's someone to watch out for, indeed. I mean, uh, it might be trying to sell the pay-per-view. I mean, people want their money's worth. Why you don't want to feel like you got you got a gimme, and it's like, well, we knew what was going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes. But obviously, that is not good if you're Frankie Edgar. But yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, Ryan Spann with a, vi- I'll say it, that was the most vicious finish of the night over Dominic Reyes. Just brutal, ne- like. Nasty, uh, uh, you know there there is knockouts and then there's nasty. That was yeah. nasty. Just Reyes was out before the follow up because you know he threw him. Ryan threw the punch in pairs. Mm-hmm. Ryan just looks so freaking strong and fast. Oh my god! And maybe that's really been where he struggles is because when guys you know wait out the storm, suddenly maybe they could get their offenses going again. But Ryan just looks so freaking powerful and. Dom, it'd been a layoff. He'd gone to train with uh, Glover and them in Connecticut. Patient, but you could just tell he was struggling to get that respect from Ryan and really just slow him down. And I think he felt like, look, I can't outrun this guy, so I'm going to need to kind of try to fend him off, you know, with the hands and everything. And he stayed in there close, and that's all she wrote. I think it's it's a little telling that I don't know how else to say it. Just like it, it almost felt like a jab. It almost felt like it wasn't even to the chin as much as it was to the face. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, man, right on the chin. It was like, no, it almost felt like it went into a bit of the nose and face. And it that's did, what yeah. could that be indicative? I mean, obviously, Reyes has taken over a year off since the Prohashka fight. Um, We could talk about his future, but uh, not for nothing. That's a little telling. Ryan Spann has been putting in work too, though. And you just got to give credit where it's due, like Gutierrez. Yeah, it's not good for the veteran and the guy you're familiar with, but Ryan Spann, if he keeps fighting like that, you want to see him in big, more big fights. So full credit. That was really brutal, and I want to see him back too. It was brutal. He looked like a beast out there, walking tall with such confidence. And yeah, Dominic Reyes. I, I'm, I, I can't stop myself from continuing to say that he's never been the same since the John Jones fight. And I don't think it was because of damage he took. 
I think it had more to do with just psychologically felt like he won. A lot of people did. And every fight since then has been, he hasn't been, he doesn't appear to be fully focused or all in since that John Jones fight. And that's why he keeps getting knocked out and then, you know, slippery slope. So you're not fully focused. You're not all in. You keep getting TKO'd, KO'd. And that just makes it harder and harder for you to not keep getting TKO'd or KO'd. Um, the year off, that's good that he did it, but I don't think it's enough. I, it just the chin or the you no, know the shock a, absorption is just not there anymore, man. It's enough. It's just he's not like you just said he's not there. Yeah. But um, yeah. Well, obviously he'll address that down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, Aaron Blanchfield, uh, great performance over a tough veteran in Molly McCann. Um, I, I think that there was something to be said for the fact that this was not in London. Um, and I say that because obviously the last few fights, Molly has kind of gotten to be the belle of the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, she's riding with her buddy, Patty, the baddie and all this other stuff with so much already going on at 281. I almost felt like you could tell there was just less pop. And I think that maybe, you know, that kind of led to a more, I'll be honest, when you feel the energy that there's been for Molly, this kind of felt like just a great setup for Aaron. She kind of just got to get Molly without all of the hullabaloo and just just like any other fight. And once again, uh, Aaron, just the ground game, um, really savage, you know, pun intended, just yeah. great work. Um, I think she went into it like number 13, beats number 15, she wants a top 10 girl. I saw she's looking for King Casey and Andrea Lee now, but I, I want to give Erin credit. She's the one who's gotten the victory over Miranda Maverick. She's uh, she's quite bluntly, I think, out of that, there's that trio of these young girls under like 24, Miranda, Erin, and Macy Barber. I'd say Erin has kind of, at this stage of the game, is probably the most promising of the three and i i think that look she's trying to take advantage of that hype and i think it was well done what about you it was well done extremely well done i was very impressed with her performance her demeanor post post fight you know just walking tall like like ryan span did too like she was just feeling it like i dominated i'm the king or queen whatever um and and she's on the rise. I mean, she's very skilled. Her striking was on point, too. She was landing hard shots on Molly. I thought that could have been finished on the feet uh, before, you know, before it ended the way it did in submission. So Aaron Blanchfield, to me, is is someone to really watch out for. And, and, I, and saying that still, I'm not discounting Molly McCann. I mean, Molly's been doing some amazing stuff, too. The exciting, thrilling finishes. I think you're right about the change in environment having something to do with it. Not because she isn't capable of winning in the, in, you know, across the pond this way, but you know, she's been doing so much of her victory laps over there in, um, in Europe that like, you know, your brain gets a little conditioned and I'm sure it was just minor differences walking out, standing in the cage, hearing your name, like the reactions are different. And I think your brain deep down is probably processing that and going like, hey, what's going on? This is not the same. What's happening? And, you know, also Aaron was just really good. So not the end of by any means for Molly McCann. I think I'm still looking forward to seeing her fight again and again and again. 
but also Erin Blanchfield. Really, really excited for her future. Yeah, very fair. Just um, look, I mean, you just got good things to say about Erin uh, just moving forward. I think it's going to be a good fight for her in the next one. Um, this was the career finale for Frankie Edgar. Uh, just, not, I'll say, favorite Frankie moment. Um, I know those wars of Gray Maynard get a lot of love. I always really liked the knockout of Chad Mendez. I just remember it came at such a weird time. I think that was back when they did Friday night fight nights and Conor McGregor was fighting Aldo the next night. And then it's like, well, who's going to be next after that? And people were like, well, Chad was beating Conor so good until he ran out of gas because it was short notice. This fight was on a full camp. And then Frankie Edgar just goes out there and starches Chad Mendes. And look, uh, and, you know, he just was full power. What else could I say? And so I personally always remember that Frankie Edgar fight. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you because, you know, I came into, into MMA later in the game. So I've only seen those Gray Maynard, BJ Penn, like just seen those in, in a repeat, right, on repeat. But wasn't like watching live for the action. But I do remember that Chad Mendes one. He he bonked him like right on the tip of the nose, and I remember thinking like, how did that knock him out? Um, it was just such a strange place for for a punch to be that effective. But it was, and and um, yeah, it kind of burst the bubble of Chad Mendes. I mean, I don't think he stayed in the UFC much longer after that. Chad Mendes. He came back again, but I can't remember who he fought. And then I think after that he called it quits. Um, well, I think he he got one fight, then he ran into some guy named Alexander Volkanovsky. That's right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was, that's right, that's right. It was Volkanovsky. I was getting confused with Faber fighting Piotr Jan. But yeah, you're right. It was uh, Mendez Volkanovsky, and he was like, no, thanks. Um, but in general, Frankie Edgar, like, the main memory I have of him is just that fight style, that very energetic, bouncy, almost frenetic movement that he has. And... Um, it's just a signature Frankie Edgar style. Like nobody else comes out bouncing like that. You know, you think about other fighters that bounce a lot. Clay Guida comes to mind, but not in the same way. Frankie Edgar was just like a tight, like metronome bounce. And he was always there, always there, always ready to, to, to fire. And just super exciting, man. And just one of those OG fighters that kept working and winning all the way through the new era and that's why it hurts to see him go out the way he did. But it's like you can't think about that fight as when you think about Frankie Edgar. Like that's just, you know, whatever. Think about the man. Think about the career. And, and that's how hopefully we're all regarding him as he sails off into the sunset here for something new. Yeah, n- never a talker. Just I, I always like to describe him. He's kind of like your favorite flavor ice cream. It doesn't matter, you know, or or I've also, I really like this metaphor I saw it on Twitter. He's like that McDonald's golden fry. No matter where you are in the world, it's <laughs> always true. the same and it's always good. That's true. That man. That's always been Frankie for so many years. So, yeah, best wishes. Um, He had the answer to so many questions, didn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. Well played. Um. UFC announced uh, Mahachev and Alex Volkanovsky is official, like we said. But also they're pairing up Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett for the interim featherweight title in the co-main event. So a 55 belt and a 45 belt in Australia. Um, first off, 
I think that this is a sign that the Islam and team they are they are serious about this because I think this is the fastest that they've gotten paperwork done for a big fight. Like just you know they're like, well, we know who's next, but they're like when and where and dates and money and it's like no, they clearly handled this quick. They were ready. I love it. I do like Yair versus Josh for the simple fact that we talked about it about two weeks ago with Arnold Allen. I think it was always the fight to make, but also by pairing it up there, you just set it up perfectly for Volkanovski. If he beats Islam and he looks great at 55, cool. If not, you still get to use the platform to hype up two guys and really make something happen with the featherweight division in his potential absence if he's not there for a minute. So I think that's the fight to make. Then you could obviously talk about an Arnold Allen coming up. Could Max Holloway sneak back into the conversation? I think it's just a great pairing. I like how everyone is just doing their business and getting it done and giving us the fights. What about you? Yeah, I mean, UFC, you know, round of applause to them for looking ahead and and doing some really intelligent matchmaking here because Volkanovski put himself in the running. He threw his, his hat in the ring, right? Ring in the hat, hat in the ring. Yep. For um for this 155 fight, he's like, I don't want anyone to get in front of me. I'm gonna cut weight for Abu Dhabi. I'll be the alternate. I don't care. I'll do it. And like, it's so crazy. I've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of stupid kickboxing people fighting lately, and he's like always there. So I don't know. <laughs> this man doesn't stop traveling. In any case, they all ride together. They all ride together, but like you know, it's a it's a long flight. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so. He's a man, he, you know, he's just out there having fun and he's just one of those people in this right now in his MMA career. He's just like always raising his hand. I'm up. I'll go. I'll take it. Let's do this. And I like that. I like that energy. So I'm glad he got the shot. I'm really excited about it. And then, of course, the intelligent uh, matchmaking continues with the interim belt. You know, whether it was his idea or not, I'm glad they're doing it now instead of waiting. <laughs> you know, the, the, the division's already been waiting a little bit. I'm glad they're doing it. Instead of waiting for him to win and see what happens, like, let's just lock it up because somebody's going to win against, you know, Yair or Josh Emmett. Then you can just make your next poster already with two dudes holding two belts and and you can just go. So I like it. Um, Either Volkanovsky, you know, holding his 145 belt and to defend or let's just, I mean, assuming he wants to. If he wins the 155 belt, I, you know, he probably wouldn't go back down, but maybe he would. I don't know. Um, that's that's one we'll have to watch out for. But uh, I'm going in circles here. I just want to say it's great matchmaking, and I'm very excited about it. There we go. Let's get it. Um, one last piece from Saturday. You know, we're done. The people are leaving the garden. It's been a great night. Yada yada yada. And then Nate Diaz does Nate Diaz things. Because Dylan Dennis is doing Dylan Dennis things. Um, so, uh, look, the details are a little scarce. But the fact is, there's video evidence. The two got into a little kerfuffle. Um, you'll obviously remember Dylan Dennis is most famous for being Conor McGregor's uh, jiu-jitsu coach. He has fought in Bellator. Um, well, I'll address that right now. But then, obviously, you know, Habib took flight specifically at him in that mm-hmm. uh, that infamous night, uh, you know, in Vegas. And then Nate, uh, look, I don't, I don't exactly know what started what, but Nate did Nate things and gave him the slap, and things started getting thrown again. 
Um, yeah, what was your reaction to all this? Because to be honest, I was like, uh, why? I, mm-hmm. I just don't get this anymore. Yeah, my reaction was eye roll because exactly, I don't get this anymore. Dylan Dennis, are you even friends with Conor McGregor? I like, I don't see any social media clues to tell me that they're still even interacting in any meaningful way. And so, off of what, like, what off of what brand, off of whose name is he picking all these fights for? Because he hasn't done enough on his own at this point to make anyone want to fight him. Which then takes me to Nate Diaz. And it's like, why are you engaging with this guy? You know, like if I see Dylan Dennis trying to pick a fight with me, yapping, I'll just be like, uh, no, I'm cool. And just walk away. Like, I don't even want to waste my energy. That's that's where I was confounded because I'm like, not even worth it, bro. Not even worth it. Like, you're just wasting words that you could have used for somebody else. You're wasting breath. And uh, it has zero value, zero meaning. <laughs> do anything um unless dylan dennis is i don't know is he gonna fight some does he have some amazing fight lined up that we don't know about i don't know you know so um yeah i want to address that because i think that at this point uh, look you know what he's doing he's trolling Mm -hmm. uh, literally the most aggressive troll out of any fighter and it's more than henry cejudo more than when the bantamweights start getting at it after each other Dylan Dennis gets in every conversation not about him to talk some trash, I swear. And I think what's most frustrating is that Bellator's been asked about this, Scott Coker, and he's like, look, I mean, he's got to want to fight. Like, he was, and he acknowledged it. Dylan Dennis hurt his knee last year. This is now the end of 2022. And it's like, look, we, we... we ha- I think Scott Coker essentially said, we, I had high hopes for this kid. He was popular. He talked. Yeah. He fought. He, do- he just hasn't wanted to fight. And I don't know if he feels like it's about matchmaking. I don't know if he feels there's more money out there for him or something. But the impression I got listening to Scott Coker is that, like, look, we've tried to make something happen. And per Coker, Dennis will text, yeah, I want to fight. And then he'll just go silent for months. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, okay, and that to me, I've always said this, the talk always has to lead to a fight, right? You got to have a fight on deck. You got to have something going. Otherwise, you're just like the Chihuahua. Uh Dylan Dennis has become MMA's Chihuahua. He doesn't fight. He just... Barks and barks and barks. Yes, and it's like, bro, like nothing's ever happening with him. He's just like the guy. I hate to say it, but this isn't 2018. Yeah. Is it 18? You know, no one cares that Habib flew like an eagle at you anymore. You know, and I just don't know. And finally, I'll leave it at this because I know the show's going long. You remember when Habib and the guys like threatened Artem Lobov? That yes. night in Brooklyn, and how uh-huh, Conor McGregor magically, oh, I rushed over and, you know, I I heard that and I got right on the plane to New York or something. Yeah. How many people have effed with Dylan Dennis and Conor McGregor has not come <laughs> to help him? <laughs> nope. I swear, the bouncer, Nate, and it's like Conor's like, the, you know. The plane is parked. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, hey. They're messing with Dylan. Who the... Oh. You know <laughs> you know where I'm going. Who the F is that guy? Yeah, I'm like, bruh. 
I just uh, I just want to say it's not the same. I don't get the I just don't get why. I don't get why. I I just I really don't. And it, the only purpose it seems to serve is to keep him in the headlines for no other reason than to be in the headlines. It's like Kardashians yeah. being famous for being famous. He's kind of, you know, you know he fights, but he's really, you know, no, he's just kind of famous for talking trash. It's not because he's fighting. The, he's not fighting anybody. Kardashians more credit, Double G. Okay, all right. Yeah, they do have <laughs> a, a very popular show on Hulu. I'll give well, you that. Well, they're, they're hard workers no matter what. And this guy's just yapping and he doesn't even want to fight, you know. I don't know how he makes money. <laughs> That's a great freaking question. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah, There we go, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about some good news. Cain Velasquez goes home. First time in eight months. Uh, granted his bail. Uh, I had the date. It was Thursday, Friday. But um, yeah, uh, obviously, you know, we've covered it. Um, just the pre-trial and just at several turns, he's been denied bail. Finally, he went on into a hearing, called witnesses and all this other stuff. And finally, it was... um. You know, it was ruled just Velasquez could go home. He has several uh, things he does have to comply with. And uh, it does need to be noted, he is still expected to go to a criminal trial over everything that happened in the incident earlier this year. Um, That being said, obviously we got a couple clues about the case. Um, The Velasquez defense is looking to obviously push... For a crime of passion, that's one of the defenses that they presented as they tried to get Kane bail. Um, the prosecution, they have a lot of evidence, and it just felt like a lot of it was just to say, you know, I, I, I will acknowledge, essentially state the obvious, like this is a guy who did all these things, and um, you know, he chased the guy in his truck. It's yeah. never a good look. So, um, if you're trying to obviously be a free person is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. But, you know, yeah, look, I, I'm very happy for it. I think that this is a positive sign. I acknowledge that there's certainly more turns this could take. But for today, this is a big win for Kane. And I was just happier for it. What about you? Yeah, I'm absolutely happy for it that he can be back with his family. Yeah, not the end of the road by any means. But this is a good step in the right direction for uh, the interim, right? At least while this all gets figured out, he can be home. Yeah. And that's 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 all there is. Yeah, um, no date for the hearing and trial, everything else. So we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, Kane is at home with his family. And that's always that's just a positive right there. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Obviously, we have a big fight night. Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, uh, leaves Houston. People feel like this could be a good thing. Taking on veteran Sergei Spivak. Um, You know, it's hard not to break down a Derek Lewis fight and not say Derek Lewis is just going to do Derek Lewis things. What I will acknowledge is that he is in this very precarious spot. Because I feel like Derek Lewis fights his best when he's just being himself. Mm -hmm. But then you almost feel like after the way the last few have gone, you almost feel like he needs to do something a little different, whether it be more caution whether it be this or that maybe even try to use his wrestling to get a guy down and just make something happen but quite bluntly we've got a good fight coming up 
Sergey is coming off back-to-back wins, knocked out Greg Hardy, stopped Augusto Sakai, um, now gets, uh, I want to say it's his first UFC main event. What are your thoughts? Well, Derek Lewis in anything is exciting, and I like that he's not in Houston again. That really has been to his detriment to be in his home area or Texas even. It's just pressure. It's the pressure that, you know, some people can overcome it and some people can't and that's not a knock on the person it's just and sometimes it's just just is what it is everyone has their achilles heel and that's his um i think we're gonna see good old-fashioned Derek lewis maybe he'll be a little cautious at first but at some point he's gonna see an opening and and um attack i think he's gonna win by knockout round two that's it <laughs> it's Derek. Derek Lewis, man. I think we're gonna see him come back and do his thing. I want to see it so bad. It's I just, it's kind of like there's a heart missing when Derek Lewis is stopped, isn't it? It's yeah, just when he like, loses, it's like, oh, jeez. It's you like low key depressing. Most. Yeah, it really is. Like I'm happy for people, but man, that kind of sucked, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, um, maybe my heart more than my head. Look, Spivak is tough. Um, Certainly, he's got to feel good. He knows Derek's been caught a few times. He feels yeah. like the time is now, but I'm going to roll with the beast one more time for the win. I'll roll with you. Second round KO. No, first round. Oh, I like that. Okay. I, I want it back, you know, trademark Lewis. You know okay. what I mean? Here yep. we go. Uh, Natalie, next, fr- uh, yeah, next Friday. Um, one, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, have an amazing one. Enjoy the food. I hope it's good. Is that uh, next week already? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, isn't it? Lord, Because we me. do it at the beginning of the week. Oh, Lord. But next Friday, uh, no major MMA, but we have the PFL finals. What okay, are your thoughts? Kayla yeah. uh, Harrison, Larissa Pacheco, Sadabusi, um, uh, Aspen Ladd, Julia Budd, Marlon Marais against Shaman Marais. It's going to be a stacked night. What are your thoughts? I'm excited. Uh, I'm looking forward to the event in general. Um, I'd like to see Julia Budd just, you know, have a good win. I'd like to see Marlon Moraes look good. You know, it hasn't been the best for him in the last, I don't know, year or two, but sometimes you just need a break. Um, Larissa Pacheco, Kayla Harrison, three. This one makes me a little nervous because Larissa Pacheco was, you know, just at the, I feel like, she was she's young and she was just learning how to get bigger, faster, stronger, and all that stuff. I think she might be there, so this might be a good proper challenge for Kayla Harrison. Um, I still think she'll win, but it's going to be interesting. Larissa Pacheco Pacheco at this point is no joke, right? And she already was a threat because she had innate abilities, but now I think she's putting them all together in a more meaningful way. So eyes open. I think my biggest thing about that is that, um, what is it? Uh, This is a great card for the season. You had guys really perform well, really deliver for themselves. We have, uh, getting here was just very, it took the wind out of the sails. I'm not going to rehash it when this is everybody's big night. But Mm -hmm. I do think it affected your ability to get invested in the particular storylines that we have going into this one. With, you know, people kind of stepping in on short notice and this and that. And um, obviously it's capped off by Kayla Harrison, who's Kayla Harrison. But it's a solid card. I expect a solid night of action. 
pay-per-view is going to be what it is. Mm-hmm. I've already hashed that one out enough. I, I think that this is the wrong time to try to unveil it. Black Friday, when people are going to be spending money, yeah. ask them to spend more money. I feel like that just could uh, be its undoing, but I do acknowledge the card is a solid night of fights. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good one. We'll obviously recap all of it. We'll re- or sorry, preview all of it. Recap the action next week. Um, until then, thank you for listening. Like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back.